0: Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm so glad you're with me today. I thank the guys who came for Guide Talk. It was a lively hour. If you missed any of it, I bet you would enjoy hearing it from the start. Go to myfaithradio.com and hear it there. All right, so glad to be joined by Tom and Marsha Berkowitz, the friends of a long time, and we're talking today about Passover. Tom, Marsha, welcome.
1: Well, thank you for having us.
0: Thank you. Yeah, you've got Audiovisual today. Uh, Unfortunately, we have to pretend. We have to pretend, but you've got some beautiful things here, and I, I know you'll explain them all.
1: Right. Well, we have to get in the right mood. Of course. I asked Marcia to come because we should open this with the traditional prayer. Please do. And the women of the family always opens up the the seder, the Passover meal, and they put their hands over the light it. But their hands over the flame is symbolic of asking the Holy Spirit to come and join us and lead us okay. during this time. So that's we- what we're going to do. And you can interrupt any time ask
0: questions. No, or- I probably will. But, Marcia, are you going to open it up in the traditional prayer? I am. Oh, awesome.
2: Do you want to open up in a traditional KTIS prayer first?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, let's just make sure we've fully explained to our listening audience that you are both Messianic. Well, Tom, you're a Messianic Jew. You're married to Marcia. And... You still have all these traditions in your home, which you celebrate every year. And I don't know if if Christians understand the the, the Seder. Uh, So we're gonna sort of learn about it today. So it the Seder always opens with a traditional prayer by
2: The Woman of the House. The
0: woman of the house. So here's how it would start. Okay.
2: Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu, Melech Alam Asher, Kitsiyanu, B'mitzvotav, lahadlik Nesher, Tov. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with thy commandments and commanded us to light the festival
0: lights. Hmm. Beautiful. Well so, done. So now we've did the
1: traditional opening, but I asked Marsha also to read the to read the purpose of Passover and why we still do it and I will go in after that.
2: Okay. The purpose of Passover is to remember, to remember the mighty redemptive act that God did to deliver his people Israel from being slaves in Egypt. Passover is a day of remembrance celebrated in the present because it has future ramifications for how we should live our life for God.
1: So, is Passover important for people in the church today, for Gentile uh, believers? And I say it is. And here's why I say it is. Two points in the Bible. First of all, I look to Jesus. What does he say in Luke twenty-two fifteen, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So it was always his desire to eat the Passover to keep the uh, the feast. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians five seven and eight: For Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us consider. Or let us, therefore, celebrate the festival. So biblically, we're called to do it because it's such a beautiful story of God's redemption. And if you understand Passover, it gives new meaning for what Jesus did. This is a plan that God put into motion after the garden uh, episode when Adam and Eve uh, decided they wanted to be just like him. Mm-hmm. In fact, they wanted him off the throne so they could sit on it. And we've been caught up in that sin ever since. If you understand the Passover, it makes Revelation even more meaningful because a lot of the plagues in Revelation are the same plagues that God put on Egypt and he, when he was uh, delivering his people. The Passover story, if I might just read just a little bit from the scriptures, and the set our, our the tone, is found in Exodus 12, and I'll read about 11 verses. It says, Now Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of the year for you. Speak to the congregation of Israel on the 10th of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's household a lamb for each household i'm going to drop down a little bit and it shall and you shall keep it until the 14th of the month so they bring this lamb they put it in their house they look at it cuz there can be no blemish on it it's a 1-year-old lamb And there's no blemish. If it is, it's not good. And so uh, God speaking again through Moses, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall slaughter it. And then they're going to take the blood, and they're going to put it on the doorpost and the lentil of their house. So they're going to go in their house. They're going to... Put the blood on it so the Pesah, so the angel of death will pass over them. And you know when in Hebrew that word Pesah just doesn't translate good as we say Passover. The English uh translation Passover does not do the Hebrew justice. Uh that verb has to do with protection that can be seen in Isaiah 31. Uh, where it is a parallel to shielding and delivery. And what the verse is, is like the birds hovering, so the Lord of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will protect them and deliver it. He will spare and he will rescue. And that's exactly what God did to the children of Israel back 3,500 years ago when he took them out of slavery. And so that's a very important thing. But there's some other things in this, the first three, uh, several verses of Exodus 12. On the 10th of the month, so on the 10th of Abib or Nissan, what it's called now, you're supposed to take the lamb and examine it. On the 10th of uh, Nissan, 2,000 years ago, something happened. Here comes a guy. Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, and so they take him he comes in it's a triumphal entry and from if you look at Matthew from matthew twenty one and the corresponding um chapters and verses in Mark and Luke, he comes into Jerusalem, and what's the first thing that happens? The scribes test him the Pharisees test him the Sadducees test him, the Herodians test him, the Romans, and this, what is their conclusion? This man is innocent. He's without blemish. So from the 10th until the 14th, they checked that lamb. In the same way, 1,500 years after that event, Jesus comes in, and they could find no fault in him, no sin in him. Mom. So... That's a powerful thing. And it also says, speak to the congregation of Israel. In Hebrew, congregation, in this, how it's used here is edah. It means witnessing body. And what was Israel witnessing to? The all-powerful God, Yahweh, the one and only God. All the other gods were going to go away in Egypt. This was a light, not only to the Egyptians, but the whole world. Do we know it was a whole world? Sure. When they crossed, when Joshua led them into, into the land of Israel, they went to, they went to the uh, Jericho. What did Rahab said? We heard the story of what you did in Egypt, how your God delivered and how he split the Red Sea. So it's a, it's a witness to the whole world. So that sets the tone. And Passover today is a witness of the faithfulness of God's promise, not only to his people, but to the whole world.
0: Mm -hmm. So as the people of Israel were selecting their lamb for slaughter for Passover, Israel had selected their lamb, Jesus. Right.
1: And the lamb is always in the singular whenever it's used for Passover. So there's only really one lamb. Mm -hmm. And... John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's a hint back to the Exodus story. So when we do this, we go through the Haggadah, which is a telling, and the Seder. The central spot of the Seder is a plate, and I'm going to let Marsha tell you about that. Because each one, Passover is meant to be experienced. You get the smells, you get the touch. And it brings you back to the great
0: deliverance God did. Yeah, We'll pick that up after the break. We're um, talking about Passover today with Tom and Marcia Berkowitz. If you have any questions that come up over the course of this next 45 minutes, you can test, text the questions over to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And we'll be right back. Hi there and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. We're talking Passover today with Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. We're talking sights, sounds, smells, everything, isn't that right, Marcia? That's right. Well, oh, so now we're gonna go to the taste. Let's start with the taste. Okay. The
2: Seder plate is on is a part of every Seder. And on that Seder plate, first of all, is the Marar. Now the Marar is bitter herbs, horseradish. And it has to be bitter, so you get a few tears coming down from it. but it it is it signifies the bitterness of Israel's slavery and of our slavery to sin today. Mm. Then there is the carpus. That's a vegetable. We use parsley. Oftentimes you can also have celery, some different ones, but usually parsley. And the parsley is uh, significant as a reminder of the hyssop that was used to put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost. Then there is the choroset, which is an apple mixture, and that is really good. My family loves it. We make extra. And that is, it's made from apples and walnuts, and that is, signifies the mortar of the that the Israelites were using when they made the bricks in Egypt to put those together when they were the task makers under the Pharaoh's ta- task makers. Then there is the zero. That is the lamb bone. It's only a shank. We, they do not have lamb, eat lamb, but it's a symbol of the sacrifice, the lamb sacrifice at the temple. And then there's the betcha, which is an egg. Now, we take our hard-boiled egg, and you can brown it in maybe coffee or tea. We use a candle and put it just getting the flame so it gets all blackened around it. And that is significant to the roasting, the daily sacrifice at the temple. But however, there remember, there is no temple today, so there are no sacrifices there. And then on the table also is salt water that you dip the parsley in. It's usually by that time you're just starving and you get a little bit of parsley. And uh, that's significant of the tears that were shed.
1: And then the central part of the Passover are four cups of wine. Two are partake, you drink two before the meal and two after the Passover meal. And I'll get back to that in a second. But of the, the four wine glasses of wine could be found in Exodus 6, 6, and 7. And the idea behind it, the first glass of wine is a cup of sanctification. I will bring you out of Egypt. And you fill that wine glass so it flows over. Marsha doesn't like it on her nice white uh tablecloth but you've filled over and that's symbolic of the joy.
0: Now, oh, that makes me nervous. <laughs> Marsha, you can't like that.
2: It's a little hard to get that grape juice or or wine out of a white tablecloth. Yeah. Yeah, not fun. You'll the to go what, the second? Yeah. Oh, okay. The second cup is then it is the cup of judgment or plagues. And that is a reduced cup. It is we don't f- overflow the second one because uh, it is significant that God teaches us never to rejoice over the fate of our enemies. Mm. The other cups, the the overflowing is significant of joy. The second one is the then a reduced cup. And that's also the one that we... Grandkids love this one. You take your little finger and you dip it in the wine or the juice and then you put it, you say, each plague, hail, boils, whatever. So you have 10 little dots on your plate and then you see who's got the prettiest plate after that.
1: So it reminds us of the plagues and it reminds us that Egypt was being judged and we reduced the cup... Because there's no joy in someone else's struggles, even in judgment. Hmm. They still face the judgment, but God doesn't rejoice over it. In fact, in the Talmud, it talks about the angels standing on, on the opposite side of the Red Sea of where the Egyptians were coming in. And as the water came over, the, the angels of heaven were rejoicing, and God rebuked him. He says, these people are in my, made in my image, we don't rejoice over their harm. Mm. So that's kind of sets the tone for the, the whole Bible. So now, after the first two uh, cups of wine, the central part is the matzah. That's the unleavened bread. And you know something? This is made the same way it was for 3,500 years. So whoever has a patent on it has made a lot of money. But as you look at the matzah, and they're all the same way, You have to look at it with the piercings and there's little dots on it. And then the darker spots are the stripes. And that comes from Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our peace fell upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So this is symbolic of what Jesus went through. He had no sin on leaven. There was no leaven to him whatsoever. But he did take on our, our sins, our iniquities, our transgressions. In the Hebrew, it's iniquity. He was pierced for our transgression, transgression pesha. That means rebellion. And he was pierced for that And that's where we shake our fist at God. We're not going to do it your way. We're doing it our way. And then avon is iniquities. And that literally means we twist or distort his word. So that covers almost everything that humans do. And the Mm. rest is covered by the overall word of sin. So that's what we have. And the matzah is important because we take three pieces of matzah, And we put it in a special holder. And the three from Jewish tradition is um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Later, it became the priests, the Levites, and the people. And 2,000 years ago, it became the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's done in three. Then they take out the middle piece called the Afikomen, they break that in half, put one part back into the compartment, and then what you do is you hide the broken piece, and then the youngest people go look for it and you have to the head of it has to ransom them back with some money. Mm. And our kids keep negoti our grandkids keep negotiating what that fee is, but and it's going up.
0: It's ratcheting up, isn't it? It is ratcheting. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Tom needs to get better at his hiding
1: places.
0: Yeah, that yeah. would help, Tom.
1: So now you're, you're done there. And it, the next thing that happens at the Passover table is a second washing. We've had it uh, the first washing before we did the first cup of wine. Everybody washes their hands, and it goes around the table. Now comes a second. Here's where Jesus changes up that washing. He strips down, he takes a towel, and he goes around, and he washes everyone's feet. He humbled himself to the lowest person in that room, and he washed the feet of everyone. And, you know, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give himself a ransom for it. A- for many so he set the stage for us so we have them sitting there now they're eating dinner and we call that time the table talk because that's where today we get a shot at our children and our grandchildren to teach them about God because there's two important parts of of Passover remember and observe we remember it because it's important and then we observe And we remember and tell about the stories of God so he becomes real. What did the disciples do? Jesus taught John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 at this Passover table. So all of them got to hear the story about the coming of the Holy Spirit, that they're supposed to love one another, that they're going to... They're going to get opposition and persecution and how they can sustain it. And then obviously John 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus where he says he and the father are one and we who are in his name become one with he and the father. Mm -hmm. And he prays for us. He says, don't take them out of the world, but be with them and sustain them so that they can be a light to everyone around. So that's basically how we look at Passover. And then comes glasses three and four, cups three and four. Cup number three is a cup of redemption. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Again, we get that from Exodus. Isn't that what Jesus did for Mm. us on the cross?
0: Absolutely. And
1: here's where he, again change things up. This is where he instituted what we call communion, where you take the body, the the matzah, and you take it as symbolic of his body, and the wine is symbolic of his blood.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, we will pick this conversation up after the break because we are up against one of those hard breaks that they call on radio, which means if you're talking and the break happens, you just go away. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody likes that. So we're going to take a break. Come back with Tom and Marsha Berkowitz, and we're discussing Passover today. If you have a question or a comment, let me know. 877-933-2484. A couple questions have come in. You guys will have to answer those when we come back. for joining me today. I'm so glad that I have Tom and Marsha Berkowitz as my guests. They're here in studio. We're practically conducting a little bit of a Seder. We've got all kinds of audiovisual things that you can't see because we're on radio. But <laughs> having said that, uh, wonderful event coming up in early May that you can learn about at chosenpeople.com. Shalom in a troubled world. And Tom, just talk, talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, what a great topic!
0: Oh, to have whatever.
1: peace in the, in a troubled world. You Remember, I just a couple of minutes ago I said Jesus gave us John thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. When well, John fourteen twenty seven, I will. He said, "My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world give gives do I give to you." So do, not, so do not let your heart be troubled or be anxious. It really, uh, Jesus is talking about his peace. Isaiah talked about it in Isaiah sixty or 26, uh, 3, where he says, God will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or fixated on him because you trust in him. Mm-hmm. Perfect peace. Peace is shalom, shalom, and that's a state we all want to get to, and that perfect peace comes uh, only through God. It's the only way you can have it. So we're going to talk about a conference. We're going to have speakers in from Israel. We have three speakers coming in talking about how they reach Israelis. They're all Jewish, and how they reach uh, Israelis with the truth of the gospel. We we have... a. Uh, In fact, a local scholar here, Michael Wise, who's Mm -hmm. going to do a breakout segment. We have Mitch Glazer. And we're even going to do a live radio show on Saturday uh, from Faith Radio. It's uh, uh, Michael Redelnik from Moody Bible. He does one on Moody Station, one hour, and one hour on Faith Radio on Saturday mornings. And he's going to do it live, and we're going to take questions from the audience, he's going to inter- he's going to interview Dale Hummel, the senior pastor at Wooddale, Mitch Glazer, the president of Chosen People, nice, and Robin Brookenstein, who is stationed in Israel and is perhaps one of the most effective um, missionaries
0: in the world, mm-hmm. reaching young Israelis. Yeah, and Tom, is this event something you can watch online? Right now. It- it's best to
1: be there of in course, person. Of course, but if you live there, in another state. There is going to be streaming. Marsha probably closer than I am. To
2: no, her. I'm not sure if that's been a, a final decision, but I do, have to, I do have to add a couple things. Number one, it actually begins on Thursday night the 4th with a women's event. And Robin is our speaker for that night. We're going to have some worship, a testimony by Jenny Getz, who traveled with uh, Bob Dylan. Nice. And that is for women. And then on Friday night, the actual conference begins with the Shabbat dinner.
0: Nice. So, and those
2: two things that are limited. The yeah. numbers are limited due to room space.
0: Yeah. So you get a Shabbat dinner... By some professionals, right? Yeah, <laughs> and the music by Marty
1: Getz. Yeah, I mean, can't beat that. It
0: doesn't get better than no, it that. Really doesn't. All right, let's get back to our our Passover. Okay, did you have some questions, or do you want us? Well, I had a, a couple of questions from listeners. Would you like them now? Whatever you're the you're the boss. That's true. Uh, let's see. One question was, uh, let's see here. Mm, sorry. One question was the best uh, suggestion for Haggadah. Haggadah. Haggadah.
2: No, I'm saying it like you are Haggadah.
0: Well, how how Haggadah. do you say it? Haggadah? Haggadah. All right.
2: Well, um, there are many different ones, there's all kinds of them. We actually use it for our family. We use a traditional Jewish Haggadah, and then Tom is able to bring in the Christian aspects of it, and, uh, such as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But um, there are also what we call Messianic Haggadahs, and those are Haggadahs that are Christian Haggadahs that, that go right through that. And I think the best one that I have found is called the Gospel in the Passover by Chosen People Ministries. They do a very nice job of... Um, Going through it on that, and that you can get that by chosenpeople.com.
0: Chosenpeople.com. They yes. also
2: have recipes for like the haroset
0: and
1: such. Okay. Too. Yeah, it's really good. And they think so highly of this, they'll allow you to download it free because they feel so important. This is so important for all of us to experience this and do this. It keeps us right on. And maybe you invite some of your Jewish uh, friends who are. Aren't believers and they have a chance to go through it.
0: Mm -hmm. Another question here Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. If I'm invited to a Jewish family's home to celebrate with them and their Passover is there, any part of it that I'm not supposed to partake in, and what is my best way to be a guest?
1: Your best way to be a guest is just go there and take in everything. You are allowed to do everything there. Just be a light. To them. I mean, I would go there, experience it, and if they see the joy that you have and experience it, they know there's, here's a Gentile person that stands with us.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Here's one more question, and this came in last hour when you weren't even here, (laughs) but I figured this is the best two people to ask. And the question is this, is it true that in the Jewish culture, even if you have a non-Jewish father, but your mother is Jewish, then you are automatically a Jew?
1: Well, that's a little more complicated than that. Okay. <laughs> but, but rabbinically speaking, it's traced through your mother. So if your mother is Jewish, you would be Jewish. Biblically, it's passed through the father. I mean, if you look at it from the priesthood, it's always the father, never the mother. And so in Israel today, if either of your grandparents are Jewish... You have the right to return and become a, a citizen.
0: Wow, I did not know that. Thank you for te- for telling me that, and all my listeners. Yeah. All right, where do we pick up? Well, we're sitting at the
1: table now where Jesus just finished. Uh, he just finished the <laughs> the dinner and. We're coming to the cup of redemption, and that's the third cup. But he does something different. And after they have uh, have some food, he takes some bread and gives thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right here at this spot, he changes the order. It's always the wine, then the bread, wine and bread with all the blessings. Here, he starts with the bread, and he said, this is my body, symbolic of what he's about to do for us. And in the same way, he took the cup, and after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you, is a new covenant of my blood. And what he was doing right there is he was tying in 500 years before, in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, the new covenant was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah, but it was never ratified. So it kind of just hung there for about 500 years because all covenants have to be ratified by blood. Jesus ratified this covenant when he died on the cross for our sins. This is a new covenant I'm giving to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. It's not like the covenant that I gave to your fathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. But they rebelled. But this new covenant, I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to give you my spirit. So you're not even going to have to have anybody teach it to you because you're going to have the spirit of the living God right there. And he can teach you. And he'll teach your family and your neighbors. So that's the new covenant. it's a better covenant because it's unconditional. Mm. The only thing we have to do is put our faith in the one who made the covenant and who ratified it, Jesus our Messiah. And the church, or the Gentiles, are grafted into that promise, into that covenant. Because the covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah But as Paul was teaching, Gentiles are grafted in. They are not required to be Jews or convert to Judaism. They're just required to receive God's mercy by faith. And that's what he writes about in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Hmm. So that's where the, the dinner is. And now they... They move on from there after they have that cup, and they're moving towards the fourth cup. But before they do the fourth cup, they have a place setting there for Elijah. And, you know, Elijah never died. He was taken up into heaven. So they always set a a cup there and a plate there for him, for him to return, because he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. But there's a, Jesus taught who that cup is and who is the forerunner. And that was uh, John the Baptist. Marcia, you want to do the fourth cup?
2: The fourth cup is the cup of praise. Mm -hmm. And I I will take you to me for a people, to become a people. And then it ends always with, oh, not yet. So,
0: on that fourth cup... There <laughs> You're is, missing the teamwork in the yeah, studio right yeah. now. It's phenomenal.
1: So, that fourth cup is never reported being drank by Jesus or the disciples on this Seder table. Now, there's two ways you can look at it. A common belief is that fourth cup will be drank at the wedding, wedding supper of the Lamb found in Revelation 19. That's when Jesus will drink that cup. Hmm. It's hard for me sometimes to argue from silence. So I have no idea whether they had or not, but I really like that
0: story. That's it. Very it, interesting. And
1: it ties into it. So I wouldn't fall on the sword on that one, mm-hmm. arguing from silence. But it does sound good. And we know that Jesus said, I won't taste this wine again until he comes back, until the Jewish people say, Baruch Baba Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's taken from Psalm 118. So that's a messianic psalm.
0: Wow, fantastic. Tom and Marsha Berkowitz are my guests as we're discussing Passover. If you have a question or comment, text it over, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Get the feeling this is not seder music. <laughs> no, but no. It, it could be. I like. Oh, really? The I like it. Yeah. I mean, something upbeat. Is that considered? Yeah, it
1: can be upbeat. It's a joyous time. Yeah, we were delivered from slavery.
0: <clears throat> so yeah. Yep. Tom and Marcia Burke, Berkowitz are my guests, and we're discussing Passover. And we're um, I, I don't know. I'm learning a lot. Well, it. it
2: Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it's amazing. You can go through this whole Seder and learn so much about your own Christianity without it even being, you know, in your face. Mm -hmm. Like the question about the person who was going to be with other people. She will, just by going through this, she will see her own faith just blossom.
1: It's very important. It's a promise God made of deliverance. Think about it from one man who is good as dead and a woman whose womb was way past childbearing. He birthed the nation. He told Abraham that your descendants are going to be in a foreign land and they'll multiply. They'll prosper. And then after 400 years, I'm going to come and take them out. <laughs> so, I mean, he kept the promise. Mm-hmm. So what? What are we enslaved to today? Is it financial? Is it health? Is it emotional? God is there to deliver us because he is faithful to his promise. That's what we learn from Passover. Marcia can tell you the last words we say.
2: Well, we always, every Haggadah ends with this. This is the power of Passover. This is the lesson of history. This is the story of freedom. Lashana haba be next year in Jerusalem.
1: And we'd love to bring people over to Jerusalem. Marsha and I are going to be there on May. We're going to land on the 14th of May, which is the 75th anniversary of Israel becoming a, a, a nation in modern times. They've always been there. Mm-hmm. But it's, so it's going to be uh, just a, A great time, and the fact that you're there, you can hear the people. Things are kind of like they were 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked. I mean, it's crazy. you got people that are secular. You have the religious. You have the the multitude, you know, the mixed multitude there. So it's always there. But
2: everybody's talking on cell phones.
0: Yeah, so
1: it's... But the spirit of the living God yeah. is there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's like a couple of my Arab friends says: if someone whispers something in Jerusalem, it's heard around the world. And what he's talking about is there are clerics that will speak from Iraq or Iran. But if someone from Israel says it, everybody stops and pays attention. It's God's holy s- Uh, city, and you can feel the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's why we do Passover, because we can feel the Holy Spirit, and we're led. You know, each Passover takes on a life of its own. We never know where it's going
0: to go. I'm just wondering how many Christian homes do Passovers or Seder dinners? Well, just coming in here tonight, we're
1: blessed by Rosie and her husband that they do it. I mean. I think they're in the minority. Okay. Most would like to do it, but they have no way of knowing how to do it. And it's important because Jesus earnestly wanted to eat it, and Paul talks about it, and it grows your faith. It's a great witnessing tool, too, because it talks about God's faithfulness of his delivering us. I I
2: think, too, that there are some teachings out there which say that it's no longer relevant because it was, in the Old Testament, it's over, it's done, we've moved on, and as as you can tell from just listening to this, it's totally relevant to today. So I think that people just need to understand that, that it is a, a, a... a time for now, mm-hmm. time such as this.
1: And what better time to have peace in a very troubled world? I can't remember being more disunity and more animosity between people groups. And what we really need is peace. That's why Jesus, when He came in John twenty. To the disciples, the first thing he said to them is shalom Alechem. They were back in the upper room. He's all of a sudden in their midst. And before he, they can even react, he says, shalom Alechem, my peace be on you. Mm-hmm. And then he said it again. And Luke, he did the same thing. He's leaving his peace. The only way we can have peace is by our faith
0: in Jesus. As I'm Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Listener just said, two friends and I just did a Seder meal last night. I'm loving hearing Tom and Marsha talk about it today, just after doing it. Yeah, it's great. I'm really happy mm-hmm. that they did that.
2: That was the first night of Passover, right. and tonight is the second. And those are traditionally the two nights. Now, we're doing it actually tomorrow night with our family, because that's when our family can get everybody together. But it is still Passover. But traditionally, it's the first, and some do both, mm. the first night and the second night.
0: Have you traditionally done both, or what's been your habit? No, we've, we do it one time. It it's a, time. a massive
1: production for us, <laughs> okay. and they get everyone there. <laughs> yeah, and, But nothing makes you more happy when you see a six-year-old, our two youngest grandchildren are six, 13 days apart, and they embrace this. And they understand there's something bigger than us that they need
0: to keep their eyes on mm-hmm. and that he's faithful. So how would one be equipped to do this? I mean, even the opening prayer, Marsha? I mean,
2: well, obviously, you don't have to say it in Hebrew.
0: I, I guess, but I mean, it would be kind of nice if you could, right? <laughs> it's
2: just kind of fun and it kind of lends to the, the atmosphere, especially with our family. Mm-hmm. And, and all the grandchildren have learned those prayers in Hebrew now.
1: Uh, Chosen People uh, Ministries, their their Messianic Haggadah is a good way, explains everything and why we do it and how we do it. Here in town, we have Trevor Rubenstein, um, Matt Fry, myself, that would come out and help people do mm-hmm. it. If we can get people. Marsha and I last week did it with a church out in Apple Valley. But simultaneously, we had three other people doing at their other locations. Mm-hmm. So it's very meaningful.
0: Yeah. seems like a little bit of a stretch for people, but a good one.
2: Yeah. Right. It's, it's, and we love doing it. So if anybody ever wants, somebody said, do you ever turn people down? And I go, no, we're not that, we're not in any kind of, we're not that popular, <laughs> but we do. You we should, love doing it. Yeah. Do ever, we love, we love seeing people understand and come to light and say, wow, I never thought of that. I never saw that. Every time I have communion, I'll think of it differently. Right. And that's exciting.
1: Right. You can also jump online and watch Marty Goetz and his family do it. So if you don't know how to do it, you can. The only problem with the Gets is they actually can sing. The Berkowitzes <laughs> yeah. don't sing. I have a voice that only the shower likes. So... Yeah. But the other place you can go to... Together for Israel, Scott Volk, he does it online, set up for a family. They give you everything you need beforehand to experience the meal, do the. They actually light the candles and have the matzah.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So,
1: and, and it's meant to f- experience the smell and touch. And- yeah.
0: I mean, some of the opening herbs that get tasty. You talked about this parsley. Parsley and the horseradish. Horse horse, horseradish. So it's it's a little bit of you start with some things that are challenging to put in your mouth, right? Oh, well, well you the, learn
2: to love you really learn to love parsley.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> and then the f- first thing that you eat is uh that feels like normal food would be the the Matzo Matzah ball soup. Well, the, yeah. The matzo but ball then soup. The,
2: then when the meal starts, I mean, we have matzo ball soup and uh and then we go into uh gefilte fish. You that's do. A, that's a traditional one wow. and and then do you we will uh, no, I buy I do buy that because okay. nobody eats it hardly except for Tom. <laughs> except for Tom. Yeah. He Even his brother his doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and then we have uh, kugel and we have another dish called simnas which is uh, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes and carrots all cooked together.
0: Yeah. And that then sounds we really have good.
2: a Passover turkey because they do not have lamb. It's not traditional to have lamb at a Seder because there is no temple to sacrifice.
0: Okay, that's but, so interesting.
1: About 2,000 years ago, the great teacher, Hillel, had everybody, you haven't done Passover unless you had his sandwich, and that is loaded up with horseradish, put in a little horosa, so you have the horseradish, which brings tears, the horosa, which is sweet, and life is tears and sweetness yeah,
0: so because of
1: God's faithfulness.
2: And you have that on a matzah. Yes, it's a, it, between matzah. It's a halal
0: sandwich. That sounds really, yeah, yeah. I think my grandkids cheat. I think they only use a horosa. I think yeah, yeah, yeah it makes sense. All right, this has been so interesting. Thank you for all you've shared. Um, it's um, listeners have loved this, uh, and it's been very educational. And you have done such a beautiful job of letting us know what the Seder Passover meal is all about. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So Tom and Marsha Berk, Berkowitz have been my guests, and we have talked about Chosen People Ministries uh, a couple times today. And if you go to chosenpeople.com, what we talked about, I think, is a downloadable free... Uh, Hagada. Hagada. Yeah. Thank you, Marsha. <laughs> And also, we'll talk a little bit about the Shalom in a Troubled World conference coming up in early May. And that would pretty much apply to people in the greater Twin Cities, unless it gets online. But Michael Radalnik will be broadcasting, so that will be on, on, is it on Faith Radio? or Faith Radio. On Faith Radio. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That's our show for the day. I'm so glad you spent time with me. Thank you for um, listening and supporting Faith Radio. It means the world. And I hope you have a wonderful evening, and I'll see you tomorrow.